clock started. The All mics right. are hot. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening. Um, I couldn't be more fucking happy right now than <laughs> I am so amped because this installment of the visit, V I Z I T, by the way, um, there's trademark issues in New York. I can't use the S, I have to uh-huh. use a Z. Um, uh, this installment of the visit, I've got my very best childhood friend and uh, like a dude that's near and dear to my heart. I'll go to the grave with him as my brother. His name's Chuck Harbaugh. Um, Chuck has an amazing life, an amazing story. Um, the beginning, the middle, the current, like it's all exceptional in my point of view. And I'm sure Chuck probably agrees. Um Again, I'll, I'll give a little uh, insight into what this podcast is about. Um, I tell the story every time about how when I was little, um, mom and dad would, you know, holler out to me and my brother or, or me after, after Bill moved out and, hey, get your stuff together. We're, we're going to go. And, and the question was always, where are we going? You know, are we going out to eat? Are we going to this? Well, we're going to go visit, right? The, the, the phrase go visit was synonymous with just going and seeing a close friend or a family member or something like that. And it didn't have to be a weekend, didn't have to be an occasion. You just did it. Right. And the, the adults would sit around the table, having coffee, talking and visiting. And the kids would take off out the door and we'd be tearing the asses off of fireflies and playing hide and seek and all that sort of stuff. Right. Yeah. That was visiting. Um, this is not a duplication of that or an attempt, but it is sort of paying homage to that idea um i'm critical of modern communication um with um uh, digital communication facebook instagram instant messaging all these things uh, we're communicating a lot but we're really doing um very superficial communication extremely superficial yeah yeah um and so i'm not a huge fan of that so it makes me long for this right um and um the number of listens I've got so far are we're still in double digits. We're not in triple digits. There's not, you know, I don't have a fan base. I've, you know, a couple of people have listened because they probably know the person um, that I sat down with. Um, and so this is really just an excuse for me to sit down and, and either catch up with an old friend like you um, or learn something new about somebody like I did with Kyle um, Lucader. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's what this is about. Um, and um, I, it's it's I'm I'm gonna bloviate a little bit in that I'm really amped to sit across from you and do this. You yeah, know, I've been looking forward to being here all day since we set up the time and everything. I've been waiting. Yeah, to come over because I thought this was gonna be great. So um, the idea is that we're sharing this with other people, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, like they're sitting in the room with us, kind of, if you will. Um, what is the Chuck origin story? Where does it start? Oh, boy. Yeah, uh, right? Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. I guess I guess it really starts when I moved in with my grandma and grandpa. You know, when I yeah. was two. Best, by the way, is, is his grandparents, best people in the world. Literally, his grandma, Norma, was an angel on earth. I've known a few people in my life that are heads and shoulders above the rest. Um, my uncle Luke Blevins was one of them. He was, 
when I think about somebody who was um, fully actualized and and fully, um, uh, what's the term when when you reach uh, the pinnacle of knowledge and self awareness and all that sort of stuff? Uh, enlightenment. Um, enlightened. Yeah. If I were to have ever met somebody who is genuinely enlightened, Uncle Luke and 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 Miss Norma or or Norma, your grandma, were it. Oh yes. And, uh, yeah. Completely. Yeah, I mean, and I know you want to talk about her, so let it go, man. Oh, let it rip. She was just. <laughs> she set the bar so high for the way you're supposed to act and you're supposed to be and you're supposed to treat people that I I don't know if there's anybody else that will ever be able to reach that. I mean, it, she has literally given the shirt off of her back to someone she had never met before yeah, and probably will never meet again and would never meet again. But it, to her, it didn't matter. That person needed something. Yeah. And she was happy to give, right? Oh yeah. Didn't, didn't bother her. If she gave you the last bit of food and she had to starve for weeks, she'd do it with a smile on her face. Dude. Every time I was at your house, there was something, cookies or, you know, oh my, <laughs> oh my God, God. coming <laughs> over. I mean, full disclosure, I always like coming to your house because there was always some sort of good grub your grandma had sitting around and, oh, and yeah. it was always, you know, put out for us to take advantage of for sure. Yeah. She'd get bored and she'd make, uh, her no bake cookies oh, will always be something I remember that they wouldn't seal up, uh, solidify right. So you'd have to scoop them with a spoon. Uh, and eat them and she was still making those up to about five years ago yeah every time we went out to grandma's uh we'd call and say hey grandma you know we're on our way out to your house and when we pull up and open the front door you could smell the no-bake cookies (laughs) where she had put everything together and had them waiting for us when we walked in the door and and it was like a moment back in time wasn't it you're immediately memories of being a kid like oh man this warm feeling and yeah and i was so glad my kids got to enjoy that you know Mm -hmm. they got they got to experience that part of her for yeah that's priceless isn't it yeah it is it really is um i remember uh, like obviously going to your house but then outside of knowing her through you I mean, we went to the Baptist school and mm-hmm. she was super active in volunteering there and she was a woman of God, which was, you know, we, we say, a, you know, how this person's a, a person, you know, this is a man of God, this is a woman of God. And, and if you can throw that term around, sometimes it gets thrown around, but it was so incredibly literally true about your grandma. She, yes. I mean... The whole, I like to use the light, the lighthouse and the tugboat analogy. You know, don't be the tugboat. You can only help one person at a time. Be the lighthouse. I wonder how many people she turned to faith just in, just by her actions. Oh, uh, I, I don't think you'd ever be able to count the people Yeah. that, that she brought to faith or that she just had a, a major positive impact on their life in some way. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, she was definitely one of a kind. Yeah. Count me as one of them. And then I remember your, your grandpa was, I think my dad was a rugged dude. You know, he was a carpenter by trade and, and, and he earned a living. Um, 
the other hard person I remember growing up was your granddad was a monster. Oh man, he was a piece of work. <laughs> he was the he could be at times the most scariest the scariest man to ever walk the earth. Yeah, and at other times he was the most gentle teddy bear you'd ever meet. So, I have memories of him. I can visualize him. Describe for anybody who's listening to this the visual. Oh my god, he he wasn't very tall. He was only like five ten. Okay. He wasn't very tall, but and he weighed uh, probably around two eighty, but it it wasn't flab at all. Oh yeah, it could... was complete solid. I mean, there wasn't an inch of that man that was flabby at all. Yeah. He was just a monster. Yeah, that's what I remember <laughs> as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I've watched him pick up like a small engine block. I bet. And carry it over and put it on the workbench. Jeez. I mean, just the stuff he could do. He was just a mountain. He, was, he wasn't very tall, but he was still just a mountain of a man. Yeah. And I remember watching for... It was first time the dude blew my mind was when he was installing tires for the truck, and he would light the um, he would he would use aerosol and then light it to get the air out of the tire and then blow it up at the same time with the high with the high pressure compressor. Yeah, blew my mind, man. Oh yeah, uh, and it wasn't anything like he used uh, ether or starting fluid. Yeah, and just a regular air compressor. But he knew exactly how to do it, and hey, we all learned. We all had to do it, but, man, you'd come up, even him, at watching him do that. By the end, if we had to put on quite a few tires, there'd be no hair on his arms. <laughs> because when you'd hit that starting fluid with the lighter and then pull the thing up, the flames would pop out, and yeah. it'd go right up your arm. And you always had burned hair and everybody smelled the burned hair as we're working on the truck because we had to put those tires on. Yeah. I, I, that's burned, no pun intended, into my memory <laughs> for sure, man. And, and by the way, how hard are you if you're changing your own friggin' tire? Yeah. I mean, think about it. I mean, I know I'm not ever changing my own tire. That's never going to happen for me. That ship has sailed. You know what I yeah. mean? It's just not part of our vocabulary nowadays. It's not, it's, I don't do it enough to, and I don't know of anybody really, except for semi-drivers, because that's what he did for a living was drive a semi, mm -hmm. except for those guys, we don't have a reason to have to have all of the equipment and the tires in it and oh, the, yeah. the tools and all that to do it. And it would be cheaper for us, the once every, you know, 10 years that we might have to do it. To take it to somebody as mm -hmm. opposed to have that equipment. Yeah. But he did it. We changed tires every two weeks, maybe every month. Oh, really? Yeah, we changed them all the time. I did not know that. Uh, his semi, before he passed, um, the semi that he was driving, he hit a million miles in that semi. And when he hit a million miles, we pulled it apart. Took the part, the parts that were still good, the engine, the transmission, all that, and put it in a new body because he had literally drove that semi's body to death. It was not staying together anymore. Wow. And, fun fact, the barn that we rebuilt the semi in, mm -hmm. I now own. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. 
It was uh, Roy Page's Roy barn, Page. Yeah. And we bought Roy Page's place. You know, Roy is the guy who bought my dad's truck. Mm-hmm. I wish I knew where that truck was today. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably go buy it. <laughs> I'd pay probably four or five times what I what they what they gave us to. And of course, it, you know they didn't give us much for it. So four or five times of not much still isn't very much. But um, yeah, Roy's well, yeah, a good dude. Still to have those memories wouldn't really matter. Yeah, how much? Yeah, I know, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's, dude, memory lane is oh, yeah. fantastic. Um, what what story do we want to start with? Do we want to start with um, <laughs> do we want to start with skateboarding down the down the hill? Oh yeah, or my do... one and only right. ambulance ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's always a good being one. little shitheads on skateboards. Oh yeah. Think... How did we even get in there that day? Did our parents drop us off, or is that one of those days where we like no uh, rode bikes or something? No, the it was like the night before. We stayed with somebody in town. By the way, for people who are listening, we lived four miles outside of the town that we grew up in. Gillespie is the name of the town. We lived four miles outside of that. And there's this hill (laughs) in Gillespie. And I liked riding skateboards as a kid, still do today. Obviously, you know, Chuck, just give a a glance to my my gallery wall. that's got like 10, 12 skateboards hanging on it. Um, And we went and bombed this hill and... We were both riding piece of shit skateboards. Like I wouldn't even let my kid on the skateboard I was on that day. You know what I mean? Because it's just such a piece of junk, and it's and you're only going to get hurt on something like that. You're not going to do anything fun. And um, and yeah. if I were to look at that hill today, I'd be like, so. But I remember it being a monster. Oh yeah, I remember the that the day before we rode that hill, we were skating around, and you stopped and saw that hill, and you're like. We are on our way back to wherever we are staying. <laughs> and you're like, we're doing that hill tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, hell yeah, we're going to do it. Yeah, we did it. Yeah, we well, did it. Mostly. Yeah, I made it to the bottom. And then I stopped and I, I, and I looked for you and you weren't there. I was almost to the bottom. <laughs> I mean, I rolled a good halfway down that hill. Yeah, and, the, <laughs> and that's the problem with falling close to the bottom is you've got all the speed then. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. I felt so bad, man. Oh man, I thought I broke my leg, and I didn't think you're gonna be able to hang out with me after that. Oh no, it had nothing to do with you. Yeah. My grandma immediately was like, "What did your stupid butt do?" <laughs> yeah, she knew right away that, that that was. I could have easily said no, and you'd have been fine with it. But no, I had to. Yeah. Try and see how good I was. That's probably true. I don't think I tried to talk people much into stuff. I was always too small to try to pull the <laughs> to try to pull that card. And some shit hasn't changed either. <laughs> um, yeah. Fucking good times, man. That was uh, hilarious. Oh yeah, I remember. That. Oh, and I remember uh, getting sneaking out of my house and getting on our bikes oh. and riding from out on Walker Road all the way down Three Mile Lane. Which why did we do that? Because we were bored. Yeah. We thought we wanted to see if we could do it. And rode all the way into town and then all the way back. And as far as I know, we never got caught. Or at least I don't, nobody I, ever said anything. I don't have memories of of being caught sneaking out of the house when I was a kid. Do do you have excuse me, do you have any inclination that your kids have ever snuck out of your house? My kids don't have the uh that would take too much energy. 
<laughs> but a with sydney we never really set those rules like you know if you want to be out at two o'clock in the morning i don't think so she would have had to sneak out but we gave her lots of freedom outside of that so like we did give her a curfew and she was usually in within five or ten minutes of it um but i never and i know ian has never well i say i know you know Another 10 years from now, when we're sitting down over a beer, he may tell me, you remember that one time? And I'll be like, mother, you little asshole. But as far as I know, Ian's never had the, the imagination or the ambition or the desire to just, you know, sneak out of the house against rules and, and break curfew and run from cops. Like, what were we doing back then? I, I don't know. And I, I think it was just simply, we didn't have any entertainment. Mm-mm. And... No, we did not. We were young, you know, we were staying up all night and we were bored. We didn't have anything to do, so we snuck out, hopped on our bikes and went and found something to do. Yeah, exactly, which was probably not much cuz I don't no. I was never really a troublemaker. No. A- aside from the sneaking out, you know. Um Yeah, well there are a couple things that because of some of the people I was with, I got in tr- I did bad things by association, but I never actually did them myself. <laughs> I uh, saw bad things happen. I saw vandalism happen, but I never took part in it. Um, growing up, a lot of times I would uh, stay in Benelde with my aunt, I guess, yeah. and uh, my cousins, and I would hang out there. And we never really, like... It never really did anything like vandalism or anything like that, but definitely if we saw somebody we didn't like or somebody gave us a hard time, we were happy to throw down and happy to come home bloody and black eyes and loving every minute of it. I always stayed out of that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, we found out that my wife grew up on the other side of the railroad tracks in Benelde. And wasn't allowed on that side of Benel because of the bad kids that lived over lived over she there. She wasn't allowed to cross the tracks because of you. Yes, she <laughs> married one of the bad kids from uh, across the tracks. Isn't that how life happens? <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. This, and and of course she knows us now, right? Oh yeah. Oh, we, we were talking about it, that's... and she brought it up, and I'm like, when was this? And she told me, and she's like, yeah, my mom and dad wouldn't let me cross the tracks because of the bad kids, and we were uh, driving through Benel one day. I said. Uh, is that where the bad kids live? As we were going down a side street, I pointed to a house and she goes, yeah, I was never allowed on this side of the street because of the kids that live there. I said, I spent every weekend at, at that Cheryl's house. house. You pointed at Cheryl's house. <laughs> I no pointed shit. To house. Yeah. No shit. That's fucking hilarious, dude. Yeah. Is that, is, did you leverage that? Like, is that part of the allure now? You're the bad boy? Yeah. You know, she's it, in love it with is. the bad with boy. Her family. Uh, I'm like, yeah, you all keep messing with me. Remember, I'm the bad boy. The bad boy. Y'all didn't come to my side of town because <laughs> of me. <laughs> That's hilarious. Even though most of it, most of the time we spent was playing basketball. Yeah, in I remember the driveway, and I, I never felt unsafe hanging out with you guys. Oh no, it, yeah, we never did anything. But Jimmy for some and reason. Brandon, like the whole gang, this is just really good people. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, we had a, a really good time, and we still do. And Jimmy is, uh, we have a theory that everybody has that one person that you cannot turn down, that they can talk you into anything, oh, and boy. there's nothing you can do about it. Oh boy, and. For my wife, it's Jimmy. 
when Jimmy comes over or we're at a family dinner or anything, he's like, hey, Amber, let's go, uh, let's go crack a bottle of vodka or crack a bottle of Jack. Let's go have a drink. And she'll say, no, Jimmy, I can't. I have to, I have schoolwork or I have to go to work tomorrow. I can't. Within 20 minutes, they'll have that bottle open and both be doing shots. <laughs> she cannot tell him no. And her Uncle Todd is that for me. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Boy. <sighs> that, that being put on a string like that's kind of tough. It, you, it is. It's rough. You got to hope that you can trust that person at least a little bit. Yeah, and and Todd, I completely trust. You know, I would, and Jimmy would never do anything. Yeah, to hurt her, and it, it's usually just alcohol. Yeah, you know, not gonna drink. They're gonna talk us into drinking, and there's nothing we can do about it. There's <laughs> no point in even fighting it. Uh, that's well. I mean, that happens, right? But yeah, you know, uh, it's kind of nice because like being around those people is fun. It is. You, so, you wouldn't want part that. You wouldn't want that part of your everyday. No. But part of your every now and then's all right. Um, for for me and Todd, it's New Year's Eve. Okay. Oh boy. Oh, New Year's is bad. New Year's Day is worse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. the The last time, uh, this past New Year's, we didn't go. We didn't have a New Year's party, or we didn't go to one because I was on medication that wouldn't let me drink. Okay. Uh, so I couldn't drink when we weren't going where there was going to be alcohol because I'd cave. And yeah, you, you knew it would be a bad deal. So we didn't go last year. But the year before, uh, me and Todd got, we both love eggnog. Okay. And we found moonshine eggnog. Oof. Sounds delightful. Oh, yeah. Comes in the little mason jar. What is that? A quart mason jar? Yeah. We each drank one of those. On top of the enormous amounts of Crown Royal and Wild Turkey oh and anything anybody else brought that we thought we could get the other person to drink. It was a devil may care night, wasn't it? Oh, it was. And uh, <laughs> um, my wife, the drive from Todd's house to ours is about 15 minutes. Okay. My wife had to drive because I was obviously drunk. Very. It took us almost <laughs> an hour. To get home because every few minutes I had to make her stop so I could get out and throw up. Oh, when we got home, that's so. You said an hour drive. Uh How long did it feel? I have no idea. Oh, you don't have any concept of time. No, I have no concept of time. Oh, I only remember throwing up once. Amber said I threw up everywhere uh, from every thirty seconds to five minutes was the longest stretch. You you know what? You know what that is. You know what that is? That's called deep trauma. <laughs> yeah, it was. Your brain's fucking blocked it out, man. Because I guarantee you when you're going through that, you're wishing you were dead. I, I actually said, I actually told my wife, I said, that's it. You know, I'm in the, we've, she finally got me home and I'm in the bathroom and I'm holding on to this toilet. <laughs> and it, I, I felt like somebody lost at sea hanging on to a buoy. Like that was my life Been raft. there, was yeah. Like, toilet. And I'm holding on to it, and I'm throwing up, and I stop long enough to look at her and go, that's it, honey, I'm sorry, I'm going to die. I drank too much. I'm dying. And she goes, well, if you're going to die, do you want me to get you dressed and take you to the hospital? And all of a sudden, just out of the blue, 
I got stone cold sober, looked at her and said, I ain't dying in no fucking hospital. I'll die at home first. Uh, that's what she brought you back with was a <laughs> hospital possibility. Yep. And then I passed out on the bathroom floor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, man. Um, I saw Todd two weeks later at his daughter's birthday. Was he still drunk, too? <laughs> yeah. The, uh, Todd, you know, you go into a bar, you buy a beer. That's what you do. Yeah. I, I walked figured, in. No, I. That much booze, I figured you'd still be drunk two weeks later. Oh, oh no. Like residual we were, drunkenness. No, the hangover lasted for the first week. A week-long hangover. That's oh, got to be a record. Yeah, it was brutal. The next time I see Todd is two weeks later at a bar. And I walk in, and I'm like, I know Todd's going to be drinking, man. I can't drink with him. I walked up. He's holding a Pepsi. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, you're not drinking? He goes, uh-uh. Uh-uh. After New Year's, I can't even look at alcohol. He's like, I start getting nauseous every time I look at it. It took us like two months to recover from that New Year's before we could actually oh get back God. up to par and drink the way we did. That is literally amazing. Like I'm not yeah. even I'm not even like saying it because that's like a common thing to say. No, that's literally fucking amazing. Um, that's madness. By the way, um, there is some alcohol being consumed right now. I'm having because I'm the. the how fucking weirdo I am I'm having diet cranberry yes go ahead and make fun of me fuckers diet cranberry juice with vodka zero carbs I don't give a shit it's just what I do because I gotta do it um, Chuck on the other hand is enjoying life um, he has a blue moon and oh. describe what you're drinking right now uh, it's a patch blue ribbon and uh, for tell me tell me how it makes you feel it's like are your nipples hard <laughs> Let me see. Uh, a little bit, a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Kind of getting there. No, exactly. Uh, coffee is my absolute favorite drink, and this oh, wow. is Pabst Blue Ribbon hard coffee. Didn't and know existed before you came here, did you? No, I had no idea. I've I've substantively made your life better, have I not? Y- you have. All this, right, we're gonna high five that later. Yeah, just this right here is absolutely amazing, and you know it, it could very well be the gateway to alcoholism, and I'm I'm okay with that. <laughs> At this point, I am okay with that. Okay, so that's going to make me feel miserable if your kids end up homeless, okay? I won't feel good about that statement, but just don't leave them homeless. I can have a clear conscience. (laughs) Otherwise, otherwise I'm going to have to take the millions of dollars I don't really make and figure out how to support your family (laughs) just to keep guilt off me. But that drink's amazing, isn't it? It it is. It's absolutely amazing, but I can't have many because it does have sugar and I am diabetic. Oh. So I do have to limit my sugar, so... High five to no sugar. Yeah. So only, you know, like, that'll be my only one. Yeah. Because I gotta... And if my wife finds out I consumed a lot of sugar, well... She's not gonna let me let you play with me anymore, right? Uh, oh, no. She will. I'll just have a leash on. Oh, okay. I, I, I'll only be able to go so far. <laughs> you, can, you can be gone for 25 and a half minutes. <laughs> be back here no later than 25 and a half minutes, or you're grounded. <laughs> She's, yeah. I, I, I joke, but you are married to one of the coolest chicks I've ever met. Oh, my gosh. Period. What? I'm not just saying it. I really mean it. Oh, yeah. My wife is the, the coolest person. Like, it doesn't matter what I decide to do, what I want to try. She don't care. She will find a way for it to happen. I decided I wanted to try a few years ago. I wanted to learn to scuba dive. We went and got the gear that I needed. She signed me up for classes, and I went and got scuba certified. Oh, man. Um, 
I decided I wanted to try my hand at bartending in our bar in the basement. She went and bought me the alcohol and the mixer and all that so I could sit down there and practice. And she drinks every drink I make to see how it is. Did she tell you it's good or did she tell you it's garbage? Oh, no. She, she's very honest. Okay, good. Very honest. If she takes a drink of something that I made that she don't like, she is like, that is the most horrible stuff. Don't ever give me that again. Mark it off your list. You're not serving that to anybody. Like, <laughs> so you're a good part bartender now, right? Because you it, only make good stuff. Yeah. I, I'd like to think so. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No, of course, I'm sure it's true. Yeah. This is going to be on the internet. And as you know, everything on the internet is true. Oh, that's right. That's yes, right. So, exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's right. Brag on your wife a little bit more because you didn't give her enough yet. Oh, no. Uh, this lady, she's, she's crazy. She will do anything for anybody. As a matter of fact, we're currently uh, redoing her mom's swimming pool. Her mom is extremely busy. She's got an in-ground pool, very nice, nice patio around it. But she has been so busy with a lot of things going on, she hasn't had time to get to her pool. No one else in the family has one, and the family would like to do dinners and swim and stuff like that. Yeah. So Amber asked her if we could reopen her pool. She gave us permission, so we've been out there every day reopening her pool for her mom. After three years of it sitting, we've been working on that. Um, it's a big she, job, isn't it? Oh, it's hellacious. I have a whole new respect for like pool people. Yeah. Like, I'm just, they've got to be doctoral educated in chemistry. Yeah, really? No kidding. This is nuts. It's serious. Chemicals right and all the testing. Like, it's insane. I assume that's the case, but that's only an assumption. I don't actually have any firsthand knowledge. Uh, we've had a pool for the past five years and we're actually getting rid of ours. Uh, the people that had our house before us took an above ground pool, dug a hole and sank the above ground pool. In theory, not a bad idea. It wasn't. And the equipment that they had, it worked great. Once the equipment started breaking, we couldn't get replacements. Oh shit. So to get it to a cup, right, we have to have an above ground pool filter, but the pool's too low. Because those run on partially on gravity. Gravity fed. Right. So with the pool being lower than the pump, it wouldn't work. But an in-ground pool won't hook up. Oh, wow. So we've been fighting it and fighting it. And then we get the, the liner keeps getting holes poked in it and leaking. And we're just done. We're ripping it. We're tearing it out. How difficult is it to fix a liner... For an above-ground pool, below grade. <laughs> um, the first time we got a hole in it, diving classes actually paid off pretty well. Nice. Uh, I put on my goggles, my snorkel, and everything. I didn't have a tank, but I put on everything else, and I dove into the pool and yeah. swam to the bottom, and I'm trying to patch this hole. Except the problem was my butt kept floating up. <laughs> so my butt would float up, and it'd pull the rest of my body up, and then I couldn't reach the hole, and then that patch was ruined because uh, it had gotten it. too wet so i'd have to throw it out so i had my wife this is how much faith i have in my wife she held me under the water so i could get the patch done insert joke here yeah <laughs> and i i looked at her and i'm like you're gonna let me up right and her she looks at me half smiles and goes Sure, we'll go with that, and then pushed me under. Push your ass under. Yeah. Did she have? Did she have a watch? Like you didn't have a snorkel or nothing. So does she know what your lung capacity is, or was she just guessing at shit? 
she's probably just guessing and shit. So <laughs> I'm sitting, you know, I'm under the water trying to get this thing patched. And I finally get it done and I get the patch and I go to get up. Yeah, you know, I put my hands on the bottom of the pool and I push to let her know it's time to get up. <laughs> and she pushes down. And I pushed up again and then she let me up. And I'm like, you know, for a second I didn't think you were going to let me up. She goes, for a second I wasn't. Had you pissed her off lately at that point? Or do you remember? I don't, I don't remember. But uh, You know, those women can hold it for a long time. So oh, I, think oh, yes. that, I think you have, I think, I think you have to probably think back a good five you know what? There is no time limit on that sort of shit. No. You could have done something as, as when you're children. She'd be remember that shit. Yes. Um, <laughs> we, me and her, we met and started dating 13 years ago. She still remembers the stupid shit I did on our first date. Like our, the first time we met. She's, I still get in trouble for some of the stuff I did the first week we were together. You know what, man? When I when I was when I was married, Jessica would Jessica and I would walk down memory lane sometimes, and I never ever tried to dispute anything she said about the past because I knew I had no, like I could remember really high value points, like I can remember that. It's almost like she had an eidetic memory for all the minutia, like yes. what shoes, what color shirt, what I said during. I didn't even try. I didn't even try because I knew I was losing that argument yeah. every time. Yeah, I don't. When she, when Amber looks at me and she's like, hey, do you remember this? I'm like, nope. Tell me the story because I don't remember that <laughs> at all. That's the right move, isn't it? Yeah. And then she'll run it down. I'll be like, mm, either no, I don't remember that. Or I vaguely remember something about that. But yeah, but she can remember like the time of day and what the flowers look like outside. And I'm like, how do you remember that? No I don't remember that whole year. Yeah, it's funny how certain memories imprint on on certain people and not mm. on others. I don't. I'm just an idiot, so I'm. Yeah. I, I say all the time I'm a well trained monkey, and um, I think that's. Yeah, it's really true for somebody like me. Um, I, I don't I, think you're alone in that. I think men are trained monkeys. That's what we are, and we're trained by women. Um. You know, I, I can't, I can't refute that. I can't refute it. Cause I say all the time how I'm, you know, I'm sort of programmed. Like, so people who know me personally know that I got, um, I started a family very young. I think I was maybe 20, 21 by the time I was a family man and I'm 43 now and I've been divorced for a little bit, but I've basically spent the past 20 years being a certain thing and I'm absolutely programmed. I'm, I have natural tendencies that are centered around being a family man and, and putting everybody first and, and most of life putting other people first is, uh, works pretty well. Um, you make the people around you feel good. You, um, are able to contribute yourself to them. That makes you feel good. Um, but the flaw in that is, is that you sort of leave yourself behind, you deprioritize yourself and that, that. That in turn, turn you know, is a problem. But I'm absolutely fucking programmed, and I wouldn't say that Jessica programmed me. I won't. I won't lay that on her feet, um, or at her feet. Um, most of my programming was based on my assumptions of what I needed to be and what I needed to do. Um, you know, and without getting too deep 
and I'm sort of treading, I'm sort of walking on the shoreline of getting deep. Um, you know, a lot of the failures that I had as, as a dad and a, maybe not so much as a dad, but as a husband and a spouse and all that sort of stuff was I operated off of a lot of assumptions about what I thought was my role and what I should have done. Frankly speaking, I should have lost weight a long time ago. I should have taken care of myself a long time ago. I should have been the better version of myself a long time ago. Might have made a difference. Um, I'm not a look back sort of guy. Um, but um, as far as being, yeah, here I am hitting the mic just like I told you I would. Um, but um, as far, yeah, I mean, we are sort of trained by women either directly or indirectly. I, I don't think in my case, Jessica spent a lot of time trying to shape who I was. She was her own person. I was my own person. Um, but maybe your wife pulls more strings than I do. <laughs> no, I, I think it's a, a passive training. Like they're not actively trying to train us. She's far, they're far smarter than that. Yeah. It's basically the, uh, the carrot on a stick idea. Sure. I could see like, that. You know, uh, we want to please them. So we mm-hmm. will do things that maybe we wouldn't normally do. And then we start getting into the habit of doing those Jesus, things. Jesus, dude, you, you have no idea the nerve you just struck <laughs> and what I've been through the last six months. You no idea. And I won't talk about this off mic because the person that I'm referring to is a super private person. She wouldn't want me talking about it. Um, but off mic, you, there's a whole conversation there. Yeah. Uh, this is some of the things that uh, me and my wife, this is like conversations me and her will have yeah she's uh she has nine weeks left and she graduates with her bachelor's degree in psychology oh that's amazing nine weeks nine weeks you guys gonna throw a party uh i believe so we're waiting to see how it goes and how all the you know what man this house this property mm-hmm. if you want a space it's yours I'll throw the fucking party. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. At, at, at our age, to finish an unfinished project like that, kids graduate college all the time, okay? Right. And it is an accomplishment. I don't want to take anything away from that. Yeah. But to finish college as an adult, a working adult with a family, holy shit. And amazing. She did her entire degree online through a university in Michigan that's one of the toughest schools to go to as far as how they grade what they're looking for it's one of the top schools that offer online so she didn't just do it like she was challenged and she graduates with honors wow yeah. How fucking proud are you? Oh, I'm over the moon. Like, yeah, uh, I'm not gonna be over f- excited. Your head's not gonna like that's a double. All my <laughs> all my door all my doorways in this in this part of the house are double sized. They're big, and I'm still not gonna be able to fit you through. Yeah, I mean, it's just and she's uh she's still deciding if she's going to go into her master's once her bachelor's is done, like starting next semester. Or if she's going to take a year off and then go for her master's. Mm-hmm. But she has every intention of going for her master's and doing that. I think it's like another 18 months and then she'll have her master's. I want her to go for her, bat, her, for her doctorate. I'm like, I think everybody should call you Dr. Harbaugh. So you need to go. That's get amazing. Your I, 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 I would be honored to be able to be able to say that. That'd be. Oh, yeah. 
And clearly she has the chutzpah for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I always give her a hard time. At the beginning of every semester, it starts out the exact same. She'll look at her classes that she's got. And then she'll come up and she'll be like, that's it. This is done. I cannot do this. These classes are too difficult. They want too much. I can't do it. And at the first, probably the first two years, I was like, okay, you know, I understand. But if you work hard, you'll get through it. You know, you just got to. Now she, uh, the last couple semesters, it, it hasn't changed. Five years of her going to school, it has not changed. Every semester starts with the same conversation. <laughs> and uh, the last semester she came up and she's like, that's it. I ain't going to be able to do these classes. They're too difficult. I'm not going to be able to graduate. And I just smiled and looked at her. And I said, whatever. She goes, what do you mean? I said, you've done this for five years. Yeah. Every year it starts out the same. Every semester, at the end of the semester... You're disappointed because you got an A minus. Oh, wow. And it wasn't good enough. You could have gotten an A. Yeah. And you didn't apply yourself enough. And she goes, no, I don't. I said, yeah, think about it. Every time. She goes, oh, my gosh, I do. So the past few semesters, it started the same way. And I look at her and smile. And she goes, I know, I know. Just let me get it off my chest. It's worked for the past five years. We got to start it the same yeah. way. So Yeah. Don't break the trend. Yeah. And uh, yeah, sure enough. Come the end of the semester, she'll be like, I got an A, but I should have had an A+. plus. I could have got extra credit if I'd have done this. And I'm like, you're graduating with honors. What does it matter? Yeah, that, that I, I can, all these stories you're telling about, she said this, she said that I could, I don't know her super well. I've been around her a good bit. I can picture those words coming out of her mouth. Like, that's, yeah, that's really cool. And how... This is something I've learned about myself is um, how attractive is it to be with someone who is super smart? Oh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, there's, I didn't realize how attractive a quality that is in a person. Yeah. The, uh, there's no way, there's no woman out there. I don't care. I don't care if, Jessica Alba walked through the door. Ooh, okay. Okay, wait a minute. I, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it would definitely um, be a tough decision. If she was, if it was a super dumb Jessica Alba, it'd be impressive for the first 90 seconds, but then after that... Yeah. 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 Uh, but if Jessica Alba had a PhD and... Yeah, I still don't know. Yeah. I don't know. There's something about Amber that just, like, she can be the adult and the child at the same time. Uh, like, I don't even know how to explain it. She can keep everything going the way it's supposed to be going and just have a blast doing it and do some of the goofiest kid stuff uh, my daughter Regan wants to likes to make YouTube videos okay and we make them every once in a while and post them so Amber says Regan here's what you need to do for a video and Regan just turned nine a couple weeks ago uh, they went we went and bought a whole bunch of foam cheap shaving cream <laughs> <laughs> and we have 
laminate hardwood floors in our house. Sure. And we covered those floors with shaving cream. That's hilarious. And let her and her cousins dive in it and play and do whatever they wanted. What we didn't know was what shaving cream does on a laminate hardwood floor. Which is? It puts this nice lubricant layer over that floor. You can't stand. (laughs) I found out the hard way. You're almost six foot, right? Yeah. That's a long way down. Yeah. I'm spraying the shaving cream and I couldn't resist. I'm like, oh, I got to step in it. I got to see what it's like. Down to one knee. My foot hit it and there was nothing. I just down that quick. I'm like, oh my gosh, stuff slick. And the kids would hit it and slide all the way from end to end. Like it's just, it's the, it's worse than any ice rink you could stand on. Did you ever get that, that, that slipperiness? Like what did you do with that? After the shaving cream started to dry, okay. it started to get real tacky. Okay. So then it went the other way. Then you couldn't move because you'd be like, oh no, when you're trying to walk. You couldn't get it mopped up. Oh no. Because the broom, everything would just stick to it. So we had to actually put a little bit more shaving cream on the floor or dump water on the floor to loosen it up so then we could mop it or however it took me. About a day and a half to finally get it all cleaned up. To where it felt like a normal floor again. Yeah. So, and then it was dull and dingy looking for about another two weeks. So so the question is, for me, how many views did the video get? <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> Not enough for the effort. Yeah. Not enough. Uh, uh, the next one she's going to do is she's going to buy a bunch of bubble machines. Okay. And we're going to cover the TV, anything that you know, can't be taken out and washed. Um, we're going to cover all of that with plastic, but then we're going to turn all the bubble machines on in the house and, and fill s- it to the s- ceiling. See how full of the house we can get with bubbles. Dude, your, your life is crazy. <laughs> your life is crazy. How many, do you have a normal day? Do you have a dull day? No, very oh rarely. Oh my God. Can I come live with you? <laughs> uh, on occasion. <laughs> I'll pay rent. <laughs> Um, we did have some dull days where we didn't do anything when we discovered Riverdale, the oh, TV shit. show. That, oh. Yeah. That was the gravity of the sofa. Oh yeah. Uh, Riverdale comes on. There's not a single person in my house that's going to do anything. Oh wow. Yeah. It, Riverdale's on. That, that's it. That does happen. That does happen. Yeah. Uh, we, would that happen with us with stranger things? Yeah. You know, we binge watch that thing and, and you know, we got it done. Uh, yeah, we actually, uh, we still have about half of the fourth season of Riverdale to watch, but uh, we realized that we were absolutely getting nothing done while that show was on, so we had to walk away from it. Wow, that's discipline. Yeah, we had to, it, it was hard. Or, or it could have just been hunger. You know, the kids start getting really skinny, so you thought, well, maybe we should not watch Riverdale and cook food. Oh, no, <laughs> that's the great thing is, uh, let's see, we have my nine-year-old. Then the next oldest child is going to be 17 in August. And then the other two are 18 and 19. So they can make their own food. They can make their own uh, Dude, don't rub that shit in. Yeah. So. My, my daughter's 22. She doesn't live at home anymore. She's, she's adulting, and I'm super proud of her. Um, she doesn't take any help from me anymore. 
like if I offered it, she'd say no. Maybe she'd let me buy her some groceries because she loves food, and I, I, now because I'm all healthy and shit, I buy good food. Um, and but my son is 18. Dude, it's almost. Im- I, I feel like a bad parent because he lives on chocolate milk. I kid you not. He drinks a gallon of chocolate milk every 28 to 30 hours. Oh, that is probably 75% of his caloric intake is chocolate milk. Oh, wait. He still has like a six pack. He's still thin. Um, I would blow. I, I, w- I would look like a fucking very ripe grape um, if I tried to do that. Um, and then some, you know, popcorn chicken, shit like that. You know, just I cooked uh, sticky lemon chicken last night, which is like a, a from scratch sort of thing to where you, you start with sauteing the chicken you build it up and you build a sauce and all that sort of stuff and, and it's good um and he'll eat like four you know three or four or five pieces of it and it's chicken thigh so it's super yummy and um and then he's done he's done like there's no eating leftovers there's no okay cool well, i'll have that tomorrow you know when i get hungry no then yeah. eat a leftover you know he uh, said I, I told him that i'm going to be doing this podcast so between like six and eight like I don't want you in the kitchen pushing buttons. I don't want the beeping and all that stuff on the audio. And, and so he gets it and he's not offended by it. Like, don't use the kitchen. Yeah. And, uh, he says, well, that's fine. I'll just, I'll just have some uh, mini muffins. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that might be my kids. My kids meal tonight is mini muffins. How bad of a parent am I? But he's 18. So, you know, yeah. Uh, my, my 19, well, he'll be 19 in a couple weeks. Uh, Clayton, he's my oldest son. He got an apartment in uh, Godfrey at Uh Lewis and Clark. Nice. And he stayed there. Well, semester's over. Uh, He came home with all this quarantine stuff started. Of course. Uh, We brought him home, and he did his schoolwork online in our basement. And we have a separate living room. We have a living room upstairs and a living room downstairs. So we just gave him the downstairs living room and bathroom and stuff as an apartment while he's home. So he's staying for the summer. We took him grocery shopping. He bought four boxes of those little Totino's pizzas. I don't blame him. Um, Boxes of pop tarts. And then like a shopping cart full of different kinds of Mountain Dew. (laughs) And I'm like, what are you doing? Where is the real food that's going to keep you alive? He's like, I got pizza. I don't know what the problem is. Yeah. And I'm like, eh, okay, I remember being that age. I lived on pizza for like 10 years. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. As long as you're eating pizza, I guess. There's, there's cheese on it, so there's dairy. Yeah, there's dairy. You got the bread group, you know. Yeah, exactly. Tomato sauce. Yeah. The yeah. whole food group's there. Yeah. yeah. yeah the whole They're pyramid. all represented in some points. So. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Those totinas are the best, man. Oh, they are. I'm, I'm, some of my food preferences are so lowbrow, it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, every once in a while, I'll get a wild hair, and I'll be like, "Okay, I'm cooking some gourmet meal, and I'll make, you know, I'll really get all the stuff and make something really special." And then the next day, I'm like, "I don't care what you eat here. Have a candy bar. Yeah, just nice dinner. Leave me alone. <laughs> Riverdale's on. Leave me alone. Riverdale. Yeah, I'm busy. Can't you see? Yeah. Um, yeah. I. I'm. I'm. I miss." the junk food man i miss the junk food and and anybody who's listened to this who's who've gone from being heavier and being less disciplined with food like you've always been skinny you've always been a thin dude and i've been very envious of that and i know that you eat bullshit just like the rest of us did back in the day um but 
you know, the junk food, I, I, I genuinely love it. Like I would love to go to McDonald's right now and have a Big Mac and some, I remember back in the day I would order a Big Mac and a 10 piece McNugget and that would be a meal. And, yeah. and my body's like, what, what, how are you trying to help me again? Do you hate me? You know, like looking back is such a bad decision, but man, was it good? Uh, oh. Every once in a while now, we'll we'll get like McDonald's and get a burger or something. Oh. But uh, since I was diagnosed with diabetes, A Amber's really watches what wow. I eat, and that's a happy accident. Yeah, I, I have mean, to. And really, our preferred meal will be like. Um, we make, uh, I'll make Parmesan chicken, which is just basically chicken strips, uh, breaded in Planko breadcrumbs and Parmesan cheese. Okay. And then we'll have asparagus and corn and green beans. Like there'll be a lot of vegetables, mac and cheese. Cause we have kids, kids. who love mac yeah. and cheese. Of course. It'll be mac and cheese, but we'll have asparagus and green beans and then um, some kind of meat like the Parmesan chicken or um, I just did asparagus stuffed chicken breasts the other day with mozzarella cheese, sun-dried tomatoes, and asparagus. And it was amazing. It sounds amazing. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. And, you know, we'll have meals like that. Do you think when our parents got to be our age... They had these types of conversations. I don't think so. I remember my parents eating. I mean, they ate like they always ate. I don't think they're, I don't remember there being sort of a realization of we should do this better. Uh, no. Um, uh, my grandma, you know, I remember her, everything was fried. Yeah. Everything was fried in probably, oil. In oil, lard, probably. Yeah. Uh, even our pancakes. You never had grandma's fried pancakes? I don't think so, man. Oh, man. She'd make pancakes and she'd or, put them... Or in I the, may have and not realized. She'd... Uh, really, they were kind of like elephant ears at the carnival. Like, she'd get the grease hot, make up the pancake batter, and then just pour the batter into the oil. Shut the front door. Yeah, and then flip them over so they were all... They are thin and crispy. And oh. then she'd make homemade chocolate syrup to put on them. Are you kidding me right now? No. And then people wonder why I have diabetes. Like, that was breakfast. Are you trying? Yeah, I think you're trying to hurt me. <laughs> um, but she fried everything. And that never changed. Not until she was diagnosed with cancer did her, the way she eat, ate, began to change. Not, not that, you know, I want to take you to a place that's not happy. But how old was she, you know, when, when that change happened? Like, how old was she when she stopped frying food to eat? In her 70s? Oh, dude, what am I doing? I'm doing the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? I need to just be frying everything, man. Yeah, I know. That's... If I can live happy into my 70s, I'd be stoked about that. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to hit 55. And, exactly. Uh, I'm like, man, now that I think about it, yeah. You know I what I found out that. recently? Hmm. You know, my biological mom, um, her name was Star. I don't uh-huh. know if you know that or not, but... Yep. Um, she passed away. This is gonna. This is sort of a fucked up story, but you know, my grandma Dot, my mom, the person I knew as mom, right. passed away the very same day Star passed away. 
They passed no. away on the same day. Yeah. You're kidding. I did not know that. I'm it's, so sorry. It's unbelievable. Um, and I talked to my brother, Josh, my biological brother, Josh, who lives in a different state. He and I didn't really grow up together. Star raised Josh, Joe, and Gina to some degree or another. Mostly, she did raise them. She didn't raise me at all. And I asked Josh here recently, um, just so I know, how old was Star when she passed away? She's 47. Oh. Yeah. I'm 43, so that's why I was asking the question. I don't know who my biological dad is. So yeah. this is a bit of a fucking conundrum. That's part of the, the equation of why I'm you know living healthy now. Yeah. Um, yeah that is. Uh, well, it's a big part of the equation. It's the main motivator. Um is what I don't know and what I do know, neither of which is good. And um, 47, and I'm sitting here at 43. He did say, though, uh, he followed up the message with, you know, she she treated her body really, really bad. You know that, right? Like, you're doing all the opposite stuff. You sh- shouldn't be worried. And I know he's just trying to save, you know, save my concern. But, um, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and he he's probably not wrong because... Uh well, my grandpa developed cancer, and he died at 55. Yeah. So that, for my family, that's been the the goal. Mm. Like, can we make it that far and go on? And he, he had a, a hard, hard life. I mean, he was in the military. He served during the Korean War. He loaded bombs on planes. He farmed. He then he drove a truck. Like he never had. A, he never took a break. I never saw him take a day off. Wow. Ever in the years that I remember him, if he was home on a weekend, he would. We would work on the truck on his semi from, you know, seven o'clock in the morning yeah. till I. I remember those times when I'd be down at my house and I would call down and say, Hey, you know, what do you want to do today? And I do remember having those memories of, I, I, I can't, I've got to help. I got have, I have to help grandpa with the truck or, you know, I remember that even as kids, I was, you know, my, my parents gave me some responsibilities, but not a lot. And as I got older, some occurred, but I remember you having more obligations as a kid than I did. And, um, and I remember seeing you do that stuff. Yeah, I mean, he was out, and if it wasn't the truck we were working on, we were cutting wood, so we had heat for the winter because we had the wood-burning stove that we always burned. Do you you don't happen to have a picture of him on your on your mobile? Do you? No, I don't. If you ever get one, like, so, like most, uh, okay, so maybe I'm different, maybe I'm not, maybe everybody does this, I don't know, but every now and then, I get bummed out because shit ain't going my way. Mm-hmm. And I have the Bobby pity party. There are certain things I try to use to keep myself grounded. My origin story is one of them. And the fact that I know that there's somebody in the world who has it way, diff- way more difficult than I do. And so me pissing and moaning is if, if you did have an image of your dad or your granddad that you could send me, I would keep that in my photos and my phone. So every time I'm having a bit of a pity party, I can look at what a real man looks like. Yeah, uh, I've got my grandma years ago. And by the way, I I keep a picture of my dad for that exact reason. You know, what I mean, I like to I like to keep these um, frames of reference as sort of a basis for, dude. Yeah. 
your life is fucking amazing. Don't bitch. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I remember your dad and the work he did like down at, when my grandpa died, he sided our house, he built our porch. He, uh, he did all that. And I remember, you know, going down there and he'd be working on something Mm -hmm. and just the, he'd work on it till it was done. Like, yeah, just constantly. He was tenacious. He was, I don't ever remember going down to your house and seeing him sitting anywhere. You know, life changed for him after he had the heart attack, obviously. Um, So there were a couple life-changing events for him. Um, He was on a ladder, got knocked off the ladder backwards, fell, fucked up his back, fucked up his wrist, got carpal tunnel. As a carpenter, you can't really live without your wrist. You got to be able to pick up shit. You got to be able to use hand tools, and carpal tunnel is a big problem for that. So that happened, and, and recuperating from that and getting back on the horse, he was never quite the same. But then when the heart attack happened... He kind of became semi-retired because his body just, you know, recovering from a heart attack, a lot of people don't know the reality of it, is it sets you back massively. It, you know, it, 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 um, it's not like you get sick for a few weeks and you eat well for a week and you get some good sleep and you've got your energy back. This doesn't happen like that. It's, it's, a, it's a massive... Um, it's a massive attack on the body and it takes a long time to recover. And it's a, it's a very, um, tenuous recovery. You know, Bill, um, my older brother, he had, um, uh, he had an event happen. It's called a, a aortic dissection. Mm-hmm. And so your aorta is one of the main valves off, that comes off the top of the heart and it bends. Right. Basically right off the heart. And a dissection is when it tears. Ooh. It's a widowmaker. Yeah. He survived it. Oh, wait. Yeah, he survived it. It was and actually he thought he had like a severe case of acid reflux because they, he had chest pain and all that sort of stuff and felt sort of weak and it, it wasn't heart attack symptoms. It was sort of major discomfort and pain, but it wasn't pain down the arm. It wasn't stiff, you know, um rest, uh, that restrictive feeling around the neck. It was different symptoms, so he didn't think heart problem. He went in thinking gallbladder or, or in, you know, some sort of super bad indigestion or something like that, but it hurt enough that he could not go in. Thank, you, thank God he did. They yeah. found the aortic, dissection, the aortic dissection. They sorted him out. Dude, it took him, I don't know how, I, the better part of a year to get back to 80% of what he was prior. Yeah, those heart, those, those sort of things, like, it, that's not... Obviously, it's an oversimplification to say it's not like getting the flu. You don't just recover from it. Right. Um, it's a major setback. And, um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> that's, so, I don't even know how I got off on that tangent. We were talking about your granddad. Yeah, I'm not sure. Either. And then, Well, you brought up my dad, yeah, and, all this, up dad. and all the shit he did. And, and so, after that heart attack, he had to sort of become semi-retired. He did more projects at home. I think he did take some projects outside of the house, but he mostly like helped people mm-hmm. and there was more work being done by people around him. And he wasn't so much the guy carrying the two by fours and the, the bag of concrete or the shingles for the roof. He was more the guy that was sort of guiding things. Yeah. Making he sure had, everybody's got it going. There yeah. He had a clear limitation after that heart attack. And, and, um, that's also like, 
you know, pulling good from bad. That's why I want to be a dad young because I, I felt like I passed a huge milestone when I saw Ian turn 18. He turned 18 recently, April 1st. Um, he turned 18 and I saw my son through his 17th birthday and beyond. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, you talk about milestones, you want to get to 55. I wanted to get both my kids past 17. I wanted to get them to 18 so that, you know, not that if I pass away today, he wouldn't be just as devastated as I was at 17. But there's something about that number because dad passed away when I was 17. That was the milestone that I needed to get past. Yeah. Um, it, it feels kind of feels like your, your, your world, the, the way you fashioned your life stopped at that point. When that, oh, dude. that parent was gone and you didn't that I had the same thing you know I, my wife always tells me that I act like a 17 year old kid and a lot of times I mentally feel that way <laughs> you know and it's I, I I I recently well the the person that I've been seeing she she characterized me as silly and sweet here recently um and then a couple days later I was talking to a friend and she used exactly the same wording, uh, and she she said silly and but super sweet, and um, she characterized me as being um, um, youthful, but very responsible. Like I act like a kid, but in a grown up way, whatever that means. Whatever that means. I don't know I, if that's a good thing. I don't know if I should be insulted or if I should be if it's a compliment. I don't know. But it's funny that we're talking about them in this way because that's, you know, nail on the head. And you know what? Our, our parents had a lot in common. I mean, mm-hmm. they're basically our grandparents that raised us as we were their children. And I don't know. I think the way they raised us may have contributed to that because I'm the goofball. I'm the one that you know we're having a party i'm gonna have a good time but i'm gonna also make sure nobody leaves driving drunk yeah and you know i'm gonna be the responsible one at the same time i'm gonna be the one that's gonna do something stupid (laughs) you know you'll get inspired (laughs) yeah i'm gonna be the whole you know hey y'all watch this hold my beer while i try this but then at the same time, I'd be like, don't you guys do that? That was stupid. You yeah. know, I almost lost a leg. Don't get away from me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it actually, it's funny you mentioned because it, it just occurred to me that that's one of the reasons that I think that we um, uh, gelled or, or got along so well or whatever. Like I, the common ground that we have is uncanny, mm-hmm. just uncanny. And um, it's something special when you find somebody who suffers the same scars you do. Uh huh. Yeah, it, it is. It's uh, it's something that really kind of brings you together and you know gives you that common link. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, so getting a bit too deep. Let's talk yeah. about something stupid. Let's talk about the fact that St. Louis Blues are still the Stanley Cup champions right now and will be. For <laughs> the near future, uh, we do have. They are going to do the twenty-four team playoff coming up. You know they got to do something. They do, but oh man, I hope they get this worked. They're out. not. Are they going to award the Stanley Cup to the winner? Oh really? 
Yes. This is for the Stanley Cup. Okay. But uh, I don't know. It, it, you you want to hear the worst part about the whole thing? Because they're Do- doing 24 teams, Chicago's in. And if the playoffs were to start today based on the existing standings, they wouldn't have made it? Nope. But because it's this 24-team thing, the Blackhawks just make it in. I'll 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 hold I'll hold my reaction back off mic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I can't really like go off the handle about it at home because my youngest. You want to talk about being a bad parent? I die hard blues. Of course. Let's go kick the shit out of everybody else. Cause you're smart. Yeah. Uh, my wife. She's a Preds fan. A Nashville Predators fan. Yeah. And I can't fault her for that. And, and no, I can't either. To be honest, I love watching Nashville play. I remember. The well, the thing is, is I super respect Matt Nashville because I remember that one video where Nashville was out of the playoffs or something like that. And we were going into the playoffs and we were a big deal. And I remember the Nashville fans chanting, let's go blues. Yes. Let's go blues in their stadium. It was unbelievable. And I will forever respect the Nashville fan for that. And it, you know what? Uh, I've heard some, I've seen on Facebook, like uh, hockey groups and stuff, some uh, blues fans that will completely trash on Nashville. And I'm like, wait a minute, you got to back up because when we had all that flooding in St. Louis, uh-huh. it was the Nashville Predators organization that held benefit after benefit after benefit after ticket sale. To give the money to the people of St. Louis to help with the flooding, like we did uh, the last disaster Nashville had. Yeah. Uh, one not too long ago. And the Blues did it in reverse. You know, they started holding all these benefits and stuff to give the money to the people of Nashville. And the Predators did it for us. Yeah. So, you know what? If, if they're going to be like that, much, you got to give them their respect. Yeah, much love. Yeah. You know, we don't have to be so... Um, so territorial or so um, 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 uh, sort of uh, anti everybody to be pro somebody. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, and uh, let's see, my 16 year old, she's a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. Jesus, man. And my youngest, who just turned nine, is a Chicago Blackhawks fan. See, I'm a Manchester United fan. Go ahead and look to your left. Right? Mm-hmm. Manchester United Football Club, right? Best club in the world. I think one of the reasons that, and, and this is, I'm saying this totally joking, but I think maybe one of the stresses that I had in my marriage was that Jessica was a Manchester City fan. <laughs> I don't know how you deal with all the divide within your house. Oh, oh, hockey season is our favorite season. We love it. Because it is battle after battle. It is... The trash talking. They need to put mic. They need to put fucking cameras in your house and put you on YouTube. Uh, we really should mic up for watching the competing teams because, man, we get. Uh, there's a picture I posted on Facebook. I am cooking dinner. I'm standing in my kitchen. And when you stand in my kitchen, there's a little bar in the stovetop where I'm cooking, and you can look over and see. Uh, the. TV and the living room and everything. 
So I'm sitting there. I'm cooking dinner. And I take this picture because my wife is sitting in the chair watching a hockey game with my uh, 16-year-old daughter and my 8-year-old daughter. The three girls are sitting watching the hockey game that's on while I'm the one cooking dinner. <laughs> like it was a complete role reversal. Oh, that's called progress, sir. Yeah. And, and it, was, it was awesome. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm listening to them yell at the screen and yell at each other. And I mean, they're arguing back and forth. And, and I love it. That's, co- that's a commercial is, waiting to happen. Yeah. That you, you need video of that and you need to sell it to somebody <laughs> for a large amount of money. That's yeah. legit. You know, what we could do, what we could do is, is when hockey season gets started, maybe this playoff thing, I'll take and bring a display in here and I'll, I'll play a game and we can do this podcast thing <laughs> with the mics on, with the game on. Oh, yes. And do yes. like, and do like a whole live, like, well, it wouldn't be live, it'd be recorded, but, um, that could be really interesting listening to the, to the talking back and oh. forth and, and, and the natural reactions Oh yeah, it, it gets real interesting, and uh, oh, there was. Uh, we started. We decided we were going to try and do a fantasy hockey league for this season. We wanted to give it a try, so it was just me, my wife, and my two daughters that are hockey fans. Oh, excuse me. So, we put together a small four-man fantasy team, a oh, fantasy boy. league. And we're planning on expanding it next season, you know, see, because we have a lot of family that are big hockey fans and we want to try and bring more people in, maybe do like $2 and then who, whatever team wins gets the whole pot, you know, okay, something like that. So we started this fantasy league. Oh my. Was it maybe not such a good idea? It, It was an awesome idea because... You find out so much more about players outside of your team. Oh, really? When you do a fantasy league, because you're not just picking guys from your team. You're trying to pick from the entire NHL. Okay. And you only have a minute and a half. When it's your turn during the draft, you have a minute and a half to pick your next player. Ooh. And then it moves to the next person. And we're sitting at the kitchen table with our phones. How big is your roster? Um, 22 player, 23 players, three goaltenders. I think you can have up to three goaltenders. Um, I think all total, you end up with about 25 or 26 guys on your team. That's a lot of players. Yeah. And you know, you're only getting a minute and a half to choose. That's a lot of, do you, of course you try to do research before the draft, right? Right. You, we set up, but then somebody picks a player that you're going to pick. So how many people do you research prior? Uh, as many as you can. Holy shit. Um, you, this year, I think we were going to start researching. Let's see. The season usually starts in October. So we'll probably start researching in July. Um, just kind of passively, we'll hear somebody's name and we'll look them up, see what their stats are, write it down on a note card or a piece of paper or something that he's somebody to check out, mm-hmm. you know. And then uh, we look up when the draft starts, man, we're going through picking players and 
then you're looking, you know, say you come across a player that you didn't research, but the spot you need to fill, you don't have any researched players for. So you're trying to quickly, while everybody else is doing their draft, you're trying to look up oh all God. you can so you can get ready to draft this guy or you just take a chance and draft him on his overall score. So did, did you do all this for last season or are you doing that for this playoff? We did the, all of this for this season that got canceled. with the, Okay. The Who was winning pandemic. when COVID started? Uh, I believe Amber was winning. Your wife, yeah. Yeah, she was winning. I was in second. The eight-year-old was actually in third. And then the 16-year-old was in last. But the trick is you've got to change up your roster every week, sometimes every day, because you got to make sure you have players that are playing that day. Okay. So, like, you don't want to go – a whole week without any of your guys playing right because you're not building points right sure so you're picking from every team but you're trying to get groups together like maybe you want a center and a forward from the same team because together they score a lot of goals yeah but then you're gonna have two empty spots when they're not playing so you need to have some more people that you can put in those spots as fillers so amber is beating you yes how much how how does that make you feel? <laughs> Proud. <laughs> Proud. Proud. Excellent. Yes. You're a you're a good man. Yes. Well, I played hockey so for years. Was she a hockey fan before you? No. She had never seen a hockey game in her life. She had heard people talk about it, but she had never seen she it. She never experienced it. And um, it had been years since I had watched hockey. I when I was married to my ex wife, I kinda I got out of it and didn't really, by the time I thought about getting back into it, I didn't know any of the players. They'd all retired. That's where I'm at now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, not having any idea who these players are, I didn't really get back into it. And um, Madison, my 16-year-old, uh, she was maybe 14 at the time, she came in and she's like, hey, um, I, she had watched a clip. A friend of hers at school had showed her a hockey clip. And her friends were talking about that the NHL playoffs were starting. Mm -hmm. She came home and she said, can we watch the playoffs? And I'm like, yeah, you know what? We're going to watch the playoffs. So I got aboard and I said, here's the deal. And I listed every team in the playoffs. I said, everybody pick two teams. You needed... No other initiative besides that question from her to just run with it didn't. Did That's it? all I needed. <laughs> there was someone else in my house that showed interest. Yeah, and I ran with it. No kidding. So I'm like, okay, here's our list of teams. Everybody pick two. St. Louis is mine. How great is it that their introduction to hockey was NHL playoff hockey? It yes. doesn't get any better. And then to solidify this absolute love of hockey. I took my wife to her first live St. Louis Blues game mm. against the Nashville Predators, round three of those playoffs. Wow. A we, playoff hockey for your first experience? We were four rows off the ice. Dude. That's, uh, that's amazing. And that, that solidified it. 
that solidified it in concrete. My wife is one of the biggest hockey fans I know. Yeah. And it isn't just St. Louis and it isn't just Nashville. Nashville is her team. It's the first team she watched play. It's the reason she fell in love with hockey. Yeah. The Blues are second because it's the team she can watch the most. Mm-hmm. But some of her favorite players aren't even in the same conference. Sidney Crosby. So she's enough of a fan to follow more than a team, but individual players that aren't necessarily on her team. Yes. And that, it, that's a hockey fan. If there's a hockey game on, doesn't matter who's playing. She'll at least watch one period. Wow. If the game is really slow and boring, she'll turn it off. But if it's high-paced and starts catching her interest, she'll sit and watch New Jersey and Arizona. Mm-hmm. You know, Two teams she cares nothing about. Although the Coyotes are her underdog team that she loves to see win. Yeah, that's my, Le- my um, Leicester City. In the prem, Leicester <laughs> <laughs> City. I mean, you know, not to take the the focus off hockey, but oh no, no, Leicester City winning the 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 prem that year. I mean, were you, did you watch any of that? Uh, no, they were four thousand to one. Oh my so, god! So you understand how the prem works, right? Top four teams get to participate in Champions League play, the European tournament. Okay. Bottom three teams, they get demoted. They don't stay in the Premier League. You get demoted to the league below. Oh, way. Yeah. So Leicester City was at... So 18, 19, and 20 are the, are the um, teams that get relegated. And they call that the relegation zone. If you're team number 18, 19, or 20, whether it's the first game of the season or the last game of the season, 18, 19, 20 is called relegation zone. You don't want to be there. Yeah. It's terrifying. Leicester City was, I think, maybe, I don't know if it was 18 or 19, but they were in the relegation zone one season. And then something happened. They caught fire, and they started winning. And they went up. I don't, I don't remember what position in the table that they got to at the end of that season, but they got out of the relegation zone, and they got mid-table, maybe 15, 16, 14. I don't know what. Yeah. The winning didn't stop. The winning went into the next season, and they kept winning. And they kept winning, and they kept winning, and they won the fucking league. Holy shit. And I remember one of of the games, so I'm a Manchester United fan, have been for years, years and years and years. And when you're a soccer fan, you don't fucking change teams. And so I gravitated toward Manchester United because they played aggressive, they played fast, the ball movement a lot, and there's, you know, as an American fan... I wasn't tactical. I didn't understand the tactics. I just wanted to see action. Right. Manchester United gave you action. And so I gravitated to them, not because they're a winning team. They were, but because there's action. Right. And so I'm watching Manchester United, and it's that season where Leicester was in the relegation zone. And I think we went up 2-0 against Leicester. You know what the final fucking score was? Uh-uh. I was so pissed. 5-2. Oh. They came back and scored... Five fucking goals to nil against us. We scored the t- first two goals, and they they scored the next five and won that fucking game. And that was part of their streak. That was like maybe one of the first games, and when they started winning, that was early in that in that streak of really starting to win games. Oh man! That they they whooped the fuck out of us, and it was impressive. I mean, 
their their transition game that game was incredible i don't know what the coach said um during halftime but he lit a fire on them that didn't stop for for a year and a half and they ended up winning all of the prem that is awesome it's a fucking amazing story and after they beat us because i watched all 93 94 minutes of that game um i respected them I respect them like they beat us at our own game because they actually play a really dynamic, fast paced style of soccer. And as an American, again, I didn't understand the tactics. So I was only I was only attracted to to action. Right. And essentially, Lester beat us at our own game. They hit us in the transition. Jamie Vardy was having a party that was a (laughs) phrase. Jamie Vardy scored 11 goals in 11 consecutive games. Oh, wait. Yeah, he scored 11 nice. consecutive games. That's a Premier League. It's either tied for the Premier League record or it is a new Premier League record. 11 goals, 11 games consecutively. It doesn't happen. He did it during that run. And um, and I, I don't know how many goals he scored against us in that game. Um, but I recognized... I, I just saw a really entertaining game, even though we were on the losing side of it. And I kept watching them after that. And not to say that... I get to be a fan of the team that that, but I kind of as far you you mentioned Phoenix being her underdog team. Uh-huh. Leicester was my underdog team. Yeah. And another interesting side note about Leicester City is if you get to watch them when they're on a roll and they're winning games. At home, their stadium is small-ish, and I say small. It's not. I think it's probably like fifteen, twenty thousand, probably twenty thousand capacity, which is. Big by American standards, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know how to equate it. Um, some football stadiums, like actual American football stadiums, go to 100,000 know, you know, capability. Anyway, Leicester's yeah. stadium is small-ish. And when that stadium is rocking, the camera bounces. Oh. <laughs> Could you imagine being in a stadium that's so loud and so raucous that... Shit is vibrating around you so much that, oh. like, when you're watching the game, the cameras, the the whole screen image is bouncing because the camera's bouncing. Oh man, it's amazing! It's amazing! It's amazing! I cannot wait to go to England and watch a game live. Oh, I'm going to be like a Cheshire cat. <laughs> it's going to be no. amazing. That uh, Amber is dying to go to Nashville because I guess watching a Nashville Predators hockey game is like that. Like it, their stadium is it. Yeah, it's deafening. Yeah, even on the even watching it on television, sometimes you can't hear the announcers. Wow, because the crowds are so loud, and she's dying to go. The only problem is we have to find someone in Nashville to buy us the tickets, because Nashville is one of the few teams in the NHL you cannot buy a ticket unless you're. From their city. No shit. Um, Winnipeg, Nashville, and I can't remember. There's a couple others. What a policy. They yeah. make sure that they get their fans in there that way. Right. That's smart. That that keeps their fan base in there, which I have no problem. I will gladly go in wearing a Nashville Predators jersey. I, I will. If, if, I, if it's going into Nashville. This, this is an all-voice sort of thing. I'm not doing YouTube video or anything. When he said that, I sat back a good foot. Like, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big statement, man. As a Blues fan, or 
You know, as a Blues fan, we fucking suffered for that team. We have suffered for that team. We have suffered. And so the loyalty level is super high for the Blues. And to say that you'd wear a natural jersey in their home, in their house. Let me put a clause on there. (laughs) If they're not playing St. Louis, I will wear a Nashville Predators jersey in their home arena and watch the Predators play another team. Okay. I, I, I... 100% 100% support that concept. Yes. If they're playing the Blues... Particularly because I'm a fan of... You know, I respect Nashville. Right. If they're playing the Blues... Yeah, they can pounce in. Oh, I'm going to have blue notes. <laughs> uh, I'm bald. And I'm going to have a blue note on the top of my head. Yeah. And I'm not going to wear a hat. They're going to know. Yeah. I'm from St. Louis. The Blues are my team. And if you want to get me <laughs> out of here... You'll be the drunk guy and say, go blue, right? Oh, yeah. I'm going to be Brett holding it up. Yeah. Go blues. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so this brings me to a topic I did want to mention between the two of us because, like, so I had um, I had my boy Tim Newton here, uh, here recently, and Tim and I know each other very well from sharing, um, from sharing space together on a skate park and on skateboards. Actually... This silver board down here, the mm-hmm. last one on the left, is Tim's board. Really? And that's that's a picture of him skating Kings Highway Skate Park. He and I, if you actually go to my YouTube page, uh-huh. I have a little skate video of us skating Kings Highway, which is a DIY skate park that skaters build. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. And that picture was a screenshot from the video that he and I put together. Nice. Um, and so Tim and I, we bonded over skateboarding. We're we're board brothers, if you will. Right. You and I are brothers in lots of different ways, but one of which was we shared a lot of time, a lot of time on on the Casey Hall parking lot. Yes. And um, and a little bit of time up in Springfield, and a little bit of time in O'Fallon, probably too. Right? Did you go with us to O'Fallon and play at Oak Hill? I remember. I don't remember. Me and Chris Malone went there a lot. I don't remember. Uh, that was roller I don't back then. Remember going to Alton or O'Fallon? Um, yeah, we played a lot in Springfield. Casey Hall parking lot. At, but the man Casey oh. Hall parking lot was uh, the oh fuck! What was the place called over in Beneld? Coliseum. The Coliseum. Yeah. How appropriate is that name now? Thinking back on it. Oh the, man! The word Coliseum is very magnanimous, isn't it? It is, and it's those days are so magnanimous in my mind. Oh yeah, you know, sitting on the bench in December, it's fucking freezing cold. They didn't warm that fucking place up for us. No, and I'd, and I'd sit on the bench and I'd watch the steam come off my face in the morning sunlight. Oh fuck, dude! Woo! <laughs> I love the memories, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that uh, it was because of the Coliseum is when I started becoming a goaltender. Really? Yeah. Uh, me and you, you talked me into going and playing. And uh, I played forward for like the first two or three weeks that we played. Actually even scored a goal on uh, Lanny. Was, Lanny Rebus was playing oh, goalie shit, at the dude. time. And I actually got one by him and scored my only goal. Did He's still around here. Yeah. Do you ever bring that up? No, I haven't. We have, <laughs> Me and Lanny haven't talked about hockey uh, the last few times of talking, uh, we haven't even brought it up. That would be that'd I, be a good laugh. I, I scored on him, 
And then uh, the next week, Lanny couldn't show up. Okay. Ben Marcacci was walking around trying to find somebody to be goalie. You ain't telling Ben no. Oh, I told Ben no. And then he came back around and he's like, well, you don't have to pay if you play goalie. Because remember, it costed us $5 to play. Right. And uh, I said, no, you can keep my money. I I scored a goal the week before. You know, I wanted to see how long I could keep my goal streak going. And I'm like, no, I'm playing forward. He came back around and he goes, Chuck, if you play goalie, I'll give you your five bucks back plus five. (laughs) I put on the pads and that was the last time I ever played out. Last time you played out. Uh, And I wasn't. Yeah, that time was the first time I played goaltender and I've never played anything but since. You you totally geek out on just shutting people down, don't you? I love it. Absolutely love it. It is the biggest ego confidence boost in the world and playing ice hockey in high school in Springfield I mean there was no better feeling than to reach out and snag that puck out of the air with that catcher's mitt leave that whole side open and when that puck's coming in just reach out and snag it out of the air and then look at him and be like I own you yeah and yeah there's no feeling like it in the world so I played Forward, mostly left wing, a little bit of center. I never knew that about goaltending that that was the that was the the turn on, if you will, is you know taking that dude's soul. Basically, yeah. is what it boils down to. Stealing souls, like 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 Goggins talks about. Yeah. You're stealing skulls. I'm sorry, stealing souls from those fucking guys trying to score. Yep, that, that's. Uh, I remember on the Casey Hall parking lot, we were all playing. And uh, I can't remember. We had split up into teams, and we're playing, and I had a shutout going. Yeah. No one had beat me. I And that was back before I had, like, the mask and everything. Remember, I used to play in just a bandana, a winter coat, a catcher's mitt, and leg pads. Oh, Jesus, dude. How stupid were we? Oh, I know it. I should be dead right now. Yeah. But I had a shutout going. So everybody lined up and was taking shots to see who could finally get through me. And I remember Ben did, Buddy Bartles did. Um, I made a point that Jason Dart would not score a goal that day. Okay, so for people who are listening, there was a central crew back in the day. Yeah. The central crew was me, you, and Jason Dart. Yep. Like We were the three main guys. And there would be a couple guys who would come in and out. Like Mike Valenti would come in and out. Right. Um, um, Eric Cloud, Mark Perard. Every now and then they'd come, sort of come in and out of our group, but we were the core trio. Yeah. We're the we ones were. who stayed up all night at Jason's house playing video games and pool. You know what I mean? God, uh, I, I've, I can't tell you how much I miss those days. Oh, man. I don't, I don't, I, I love my life. I love being where I'm at now. I'm super happy and I, I love the story. But I cherish those days of staying up all night at Jason's house, playing playing three ball, playing nine ball, playing um, NHL '95 on his big screen. Oh yeah, dude! Sega Genesis, Sega Genesis, man, and <laughs> and playing Super Mario Brother on a 55 inch big screen. Like yeah. we're all amped up on the fact that Mario is big, <laughs> you know, because we're playing on our fucking 19 inch TVs at home, and Jason had a big screen. Um, but man, I fucking, I really like, I guess now talking about it now here with you just gives me 
a certain perspective of how much I absolutely deeply love those days and spending time with you guys. I miss Jason so much. Um, a few, uh, it's been probably uh, six or seven years ago now. Um, I kind of got to relive some of those times with Jason. Did you really? Yeah. Uh, he showed up, started hanging around again. Yeah. We were living in Gillespie on Shelby street and, uh, he was coming around enough that it got to the point he didn't even knock. He'd just come in. He'd come in, let us know he was there, plop down on the couch. I mean, we're we're together every other day or so. Wow. And uh, Black Diamond Days came around. So me and him headed up for Black Diamond Days. We ran into Kyle Gertis. Wow, no was bartending up there. I haven't even heard that name since high school. Yeah, I ran into him. He was bartending at the beer tent at Black Diamond Days. So me and him stood up there. We drank like a pitcher of beer sitting there talking to Kyle. And then we went to, they had a washer tournament going on. Me and Jason joined the washer tournament. And we spent all afternoon in like 105 degree heat throwing washers and drinking beer. We walked back to my house because I lived a block from Main Street. Oh, boy. We walked back to my house, walked into the living room, both picked a sofa, and that was it for like two hours. We both passed I bet. out. It I bet, almost yeah. ended us. I mean, we were horrible. Yeah. But, yeah, for a while, it was... By the way, okay, so I'm 5'5", five, five, yeah. 150 pounds. Mm-hmm. I need a little bit of an ego boost here. Okay. Was I good at hockey back in the day? Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, you. You you were one of the more difficult ones to stop. You so I don't know if you ever know this or not, or if we've ever told you, but me and Jason, you know how we would have like little shootout little uh-huh. things to warm you up? Uh-huh. Me and Jason would stand sort of out at the towards the halfway point, the center line of, of the Casey Hall parking lot, uh-huh. and we would pick our shots. <laughs> Oh, yeah. We would call our shots. Like, I'd be like, okay, so where are you shooting? He's like, I'm going to go six side high or, or five hole. Or, you know, we would pick our shots and we would, sometimes we would get it and sometimes we wouldn't. Um, but yeah, we would sit out there and try to pick our shots against you and not just against you, against everybody. Um, uh, uh, but what's funny is uh, knowing that now explains a lot. Does it? Because. I, it seemed like I would have games where I did like better. Nobody could score on five hole that day. Yeah. Or if they went upper glove, that was just off limits because I was going to shut that down. Well, if you guys were picking your shots and calling them, <laughs> I, you guys were like training me on what to look for. for yeah. These specific. So my favorite shot, and and tell me what from a goalkeeper's standpoint, my favorite shot of all time was to come in and deke left, come back, and scoop the puck and throw it into the top of the net. How hard was that to stop? It, it's very hard. Because I backed you fuckers up into the goal, basically is what I did. Is I backed you guys up into the goal, opened up the glove side, and threw it into the top of the net and tried to pop your water bottle out. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, that's uh, uh, my coach when I played ice hockey. Um, I got in trouble for putting my water bottle up there. And if you notice, uh, I quit putting my water bottle up there. I no put shit. it behind the post or because, you know, it, the, the, the he, boards are trying to knock that shit out of there. Well, it, <laughs> it gave them a target. It does. Yeah. It, it's one thing to see a white net and just shoot for something white. 
it's another thing to have a specific area that you can aim for. And that water bottle was like a beacon. Yeah. I don't know how many people knock that fucking thing out. Yeah. And when my it's always was the like, best when you hit in the middle, you you make this the water squirt out of it. Yeah. Then <laughs> my coach is like, "Stop putting your water bottle up there." It gives him a target. So I started putting it like behind that middle bar, so nobody could see it. I gotta tell you though, man, when you when you got hot, it was the most frustrating fucking thing in the world. I mean, when you got hot and we couldn't score on you, like as a goal as a goal scorer, which I consider myself to being, you were one. Of if you're not really scoring scorers. goals. Your ego goes down and down, and your confidence keeps going down and down. And the further your confidence goes down, the harder it is to score that goal. Yeah. You might be waiting game after game after game just to get a look at goal. And, you know, when you guys get hot, there is nothing that pisses a scorer off more than that. And it being... <laughs> Being a goaltender, that's part of what you're trying to do is, you know, if you've got this guy that's on a hot streak and you've scored the last three weeks, if I can shut you down, at least through the first period, <laughs> I may be able to knock your confidence down enough that, that you, you got stop us. making silly mistakes. You got us. Yeah. Damn it. And that, I learned early on that being a goaltender is all mental. All trying to see, so you were manipulating, you were con- trying to control your mental aspect and mine. Yes, see, I didn't see it that way. I was only fighting my own mental demons, if you will. I wasn't trying to fuck with your demons at all. Like, and you know, uh, I didn't think of it that way. I only thought about if I was scoring goals, I feel great, if I wasn't scoring goals, I felt like shit. or if at least if I wasn't scoring goals, I need to be assisting on them, I need to be setting them up. Yeah. And so, I got to tell you, man, it's a sweet, sweet... Whether you're on the shooting side or the passing side of a one-timer that ends up in the back of the net, that's a good fucking feeling. Um, not for you, but for yeah. us. You know, but... Um, well, good for me if you're on my team. You know, yes. I'm back there like, yes. woohoo, score another one. Did you, you know? see that shit? That was amazing. Yeah. Do it yeah. again. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, did you play over in Litchfield with us, too? Uh, a couple times, yeah. Yeah, that was terrible. The rink was like... Half the size of what it should have been. Uh-huh. Well, Coliseum was that way too, right? Yeah. You could you could shoot on goal from the other net, probably. Yeah, they they were both small areas. Guys like Jason and Chris Malone could could you know yeah. score a goal from the other side of the ring. It, it's funny how good Jason got by the end of our ice hockey season. You know, I know, still right? playing roller hockey. I didn't have the money or the resources to join you guys, and and Jason fucking pat. He was not as good a not as good of a player as I was. Before that year, before that season, uh-huh. he blew well, right past me. What was funny was we played in a summer league the year before that season started. So mm-hmm. we were bouncing between roller hockey and ice hockey. And the funniest thing watching Jason play ice hockey is he couldn't stop. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And it was hilarious to watch him score a goal, go, yeah, and then slam and into slam the boards because he couldn't stop. <laughs> it was hilarious. And he finally, early in the actual ice hockey season, he got it under control and was able to stop. Yeah. And once he was able to do that, he became a huge threat. Yeah. Because man, he just he just really got good. You know, the few times I played ice hockey, I had skates. I, I bought skates off Chris Malone secondhand, and those fucking things were too big for my feet. The edges were never right, and I just I couldn't skate. The very last time I played on ice, I went to play it again 
and I bought a new pair of skates. I had a fresh edge put on them, and lo and behold, I could skate. Uh huh. And I've never played ice again. <laughs> I still have those fucking skates, and they have rust on them. Uh, I went and got Madison and Regan a pair of ice skates two Christmases ago. Went to play it again, got used skates. Yeah. Uh, made sure they fit the girls, and then we took them back, and we and I got me a pair of skates, and we had them all sharpened and everything, and we started going to Alton, and I taught the girls how to ice skate. That's awesome. They're not very good because we haven't been been there as much as we should for them to really get good yeah, practice. But, but I mean, you did it. Yeah, they were into hockey. They liked ice skating. I took them, taught them how, and they've been going pretty good ever since. Um. I've started reacquiring my goalie equipment. Okay. Alton has an over 30 league. Okay. And I've been slowly assembling my equipment because at 43 years old, I may get back out on the ice and back between the pipes. You know what, man? I've got a little bit of expendable income. I can't I'm, tell you, dude. You, goosebumps. Yeah. Uh, I went and bought uh, one of those plastic MyTech nets with the sticks, the little sticks and the yeah. pup. And uh, I still have my Christian goalie stick from when I played. Yeah. I still have my V-Flex I got from Marcacci. I, I couldn't believe that we you know, still had that stuff. I thought it was lost to time. And I found it in the garage. MyTech. I haven't thought about that word, that name. And uh, I'm out there with a stick and a baseball glove. And I'm like, come on, kids, you know? And I've got them taking shots at me. And I'm trying to stop. And I'm teaching them how to shoot pucks and all that stuff. And just slowly getting my kids in it. I was trying to get Madison to join the Lady Cyclones in St. Louis. Yeah. They have a girl skate free. They get, put them in equipment, teach them how to play hockey for free. And then if the girls wow. want to sign up and join up and play on the team, they can do it all right there. That's amazing. Yeah, but she doesn't want to. Speaking of teaching our kids something, mm-hmm. you see this this blackboard that yep. says Speed Demons? Uh-huh. The lighting in here is bad because it's 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 a little dark. I'll turn this light on. It won't, it'll help a little bit, but not a lot. Um, directly beneath that, the whole idea behind this wall is the board and a picture to go with its significance. So this board here, the one that says Speed Demons in mm-hmm. black, directly beneath that is a screenshot of Ian doing his first drop-in on, oh, a, yeah. on a half pipe. That was his very first make. Like, he had already tried to drop in several times and bust it ass, right? <laughs> and if you've ever dropped in on a half pipe, your sort of, um, your coming of age is that first make. Yeah. Because I don't know of anybody who's ever dropped in on a half pipe on a skateboard and made it the first try. It's usually two or three times or more of seriously busting ass, suffering some pain, and then eventually you get the make. That was the moment. Nice. And right to the left of it is Sydney's skateboard. I taught her to drop in. She was nine when she dropped in and got her first make. Really? Nine. Wow. Talk about fucking proud. That's a picture of her, you know, skating. Like, she skated with me for several years. Both my kids skateboarded. I taught them both how to drop in. Both my kids have dropped in. Nice. I, I, dude, I'm, 
I, I feel in a weird way fulfilled because I love skateboarding so much. I love it so much. I mean, every one of these boards has some sort of significance. Um, down here, this one, um, to the left of Sydney's board, uh-huh. that picture that's sitting beneath it is Sydney and her good friend Matt. We lost Matt to a car accident. Oh, that was his board. That was a picture of them standing at the top of a quarter pipe waiting to drop in together. Mm. How tight is that fucking is is that sort of thing? And then yeah. to the left of that is is Timmy skating. And Tim, I mentioned earlier, he and right. I skate. And then the one next to it, to the left of it on the other wall over there, is my friend Mike Burke's board. Mike Burke is roughly our age. He got away from skateboarding for years and years and years. And one day, through the pressures of being an adult. He needed a release, and, and he remembered loving skateboard as, skateboarding as a kid, and he bought a board just out of the blue. He said, I'm going to start skating again. He bought that board. That was a board that, um, that's a Lance Mountain, um, Powell Peralta board, and Lance was like a big deal to us when we were kids, and so that was the board he ended up with when he got back in it, and I, I should take it off the wall and show you just to give full context, but he did his own grip tape job on it. So it looks like sort of paper tears on the grip tape. Yeah. But he also took and put the name of his kids in grip tape and his wife. Like he's got his oh, whole family. So boy. that is the board that he fell back in love with skateboarding with. And it was a board that like he, he took his family with him. Yeah. How I am so fucking honored to have his board, Timmy's board, and then Matt's old board on my, on my wall. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of this honor. And and as a skateboarder, if people listen to this, as a skateboarder, you get how important your board is sometimes. Um, as to, to the layperson, big deal. But it's a huge fucking honor to have those boards on the wall. And then the other boards are mine, and they have some sort of significance to me. Um, the, <laughs> the one that's got the brain with the hook through it, that's a band by the name of Infected Mushroom, and, and that was a picture I got with the front man, like the main dude from the band nice. and that board signed by the by the by the by the two dudes from the band oh, i'm particularly nice. i'm particularly proud of that yeah that night i drove from here i left at like six o'clock i drove up to chicago hung out with the band before the show went and watched the show and then hung out with the band after the show and then drove home oh nice. i got back home at like five in the morning <laughs> talk about a night yeah um but uh yeah so that's 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 the wall so I never really, you came in and I think that you noticed the wall Mm -hmm. and I wanted to give some sort of explanation for it because it's, this is, this is my pride and joy in the house. There are other things in the house that are far more expensive or far more fancy or far more this or that to hell with everything. If this wall didn't exist. This, uh, I I absolutely love this whole thing right here. Uh, When we walked in and I saw it, I love the way it was set up. I, I didn't know about, you know, the significance of the pictures with the boards and all that, but just the whole look of it. You get it. Uh, yeah, I absolutely oh, loved it. Dude, thank you so much for getting it. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. I, I When I sat, I, I've told this story, I've told it a couple times on the podcast. When I finished this wall and I sat, you know, when you're working on something, you're working, 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 and you're working on the pieces, and then you stand back and you see the hole. Yes. And then... The realization of the whole hits you, dude, I wept. It made me cry. It made me cry because I thought about the the memories of 
pulling that trick and pulling that and that trick. And in this picture here, um, beneath the, the orangish board that's all thrashed up, yeah, I look so young there. And then the picture to the left of it is me, Sydney, and Ian um, at Christmas time. And this was post-divorce. It was a really, really hard time in our lives. Yeah. But we were still together, and we took that picture. And the, the board above it, that sort of wood burning in there, um, Jessica took and had um, one of the best Christmas gifts I've ever been given. She had the kids come up with some slogans, some things, and she had somebody that would burn them into one of my old boards. Oh, nice. So not only do I have the memory of skating that board, but I also have the, you know, the fact that it says the, the, the writing, it says, Dad, um, we love grinding through life with you. Nice. Right? Yeah, that is amazing. And it's and it's the center board. There's boards to the right, there's boards to the left, and that's the centerpiece. Yeah. And so this is that's what the wall's about. And if 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 anybody could take it and have a look into my soul, that's this wall, man. Yeah. That's this wall. That that's one thing, like we've known each other since we were what? So young. Third grade. Yeah. So we were eight, nine, maybe. Yeah. And it, it amazed me to see videos and pictures, you know, a few years ago of you still skateboarding. I'm like, he's been doing that our entire lives. I did it yesterday. You know, I, I, I didn't take to it like you did. For me, it was, oh, there was coordination and geometry that my brain just couldn't do. Like, <laughs> it, it doesn't it work for everybody. Didn't yeah. work. But that, but I thought of you. Have you watched The Masked Singer? Have you ever seen that show? I don't think so. Okay. It's a really cool show. I think I've heard of it. Okay. Celebrities dress up in wild, crazy costumes, come out, sing songs. You got to try and guess who they are. Yeah. Well, me and Amber were watching it. And I know it it seems like this is completely off the wall, but it'll all tie in here in a minute. We're watching it. You know, we're really getting into this show. And this guy comes out dressed as an elephant. And it's this, not like a typical elephant. It's a little more modernized. He's got like, his outfit's got like right angles in it. And it just looks kind of like a futuristic robot elephant thing. Yeah. And I'm watching it and I'm watching this guy move and I'm like, man, I know I know him. I'm watching and I'm watching and it gets done. He gets voted that he has to take his mask off and expose who he is, and he's out of the competition. Okay. And I watch him walk out. Yeah. And he's standing there. And I looked at Amber, and I said, that's Tony Hawk. Yeah, I was going to say, that's Hawk. And she's He's like, distinctive. Yeah, she's like, no way. I'm like, yeah, that's Tony Hawk. And when they said, take it off, and he pulled his mask off, and it was Tony Hawk, I jumped up, and I'm like, I knew it. We wanted to be him. <laughs> like, Get this, dude. I met him. Did you really? I've got a picture with him. Really? Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. So it was one of those meet and greet sort of things. So it was very informal. Yeah. I still plan bucket list to try to meet um, Daywon Song. And you may not know who he is. No. Rodney Mullen and Tony Hawk. I like, I, I want to have a conversation with those guys. Yeah. That's bucket list shit. So if I become a millionaire... I'm going to spend $999,000.99, whatever, you know what I mean, to meet those guys, like whatever I have to do. Yeah. Um, 
but I've, for the past two hours, I've had a smile painted on my face, and it's one hour, 55 minutes, and 30 seconds. You're kidding. I'm not kidding at all. Oh, my God. I've had a smile point on my God. face, and I have you, sir, to thank for it. Oh, I have enjoyed this immensely. What what a fucking experience, people. Sit down and walk down memory lane with you. And the thing is, is like, with me and you, I hope I'm inviting you right now to come back and do another one with me. Oh, please, 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 please. Because there's so much ground that we didn't cover that's super important to me. And I know it's important to you that, like, everything that we did today was stuff I knew about you and things I love about you and things I love about your family and all that sort of stuff. And, and, but I know there's more. And I want to learn more because I love you, man. Oh, I, I love you I, too, man. It, it's, um, it, I really do. Like, there's a handful of people that I can say in my life right now, a handful, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm looking up into my left, and I think that's a tell that you're thinking you know you're trying to um, go through your memory banks. But I can seriously say there's probably a dozen to two dozen people where I can honestly say that I genuinely love them, and you're one of them, man. And 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 you, even though we don't see each other as often as I as as we obviously used to, and maybe I would like every second that we spend together. It's like we picked up where we left off. Yeah. It's fucking phenomenal. You know, that is... I read something sometime, and I absolutely believe it, that the definition of true friendship is you cannot see each other for 10 years and then meet back up one day and have a conversation, possibly even finishing the conversation you originally started, but have a conversation as if you had seen each other every day for the past week. Yeah. And, and and that's how it is. Every time I've ever even ran into you somewhere at Black Diamond Days or something, it's never, there's never an awkward silence or what do we talk about. It's jump right back into it and keep going as if nothing has ever changed and no time has been missed. And on that note, I don't know of a better way of fucking summizing or wrapping up this podcast besides that right there. <laughs> Chuck Harbaugh, I fucking love you as a brother. Thank you for coming here. And if for anybody who's listening, I hope you're entertained even a fraction of how much I was during this um, past two hours. Thank you so much, dude. Thank you for anybody who's listening. Much love. Goodbye. And thank you for having me on. <laughs> dude, my pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.